Welcome to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Sylvia Cunningham. On today's show, the countdown is on. The German capital's new Berlin-Brandenburg International Airport is heading for disaster. It's Germany's national embarrassment. Opening dates have come and gone. One of the things people say, it's not an airport, it's an oversized bus station. And still, there is not a plane in sight. After a near-decade delay, it is finally happening. The Berlin-Brandenburg Airport, or BER, will open this week. Those voices we just heard were only a handful of the many journalists who have covered this saga for years. Mismanagement, corruption charges, dubious design plans, and a series of technical mishaps led to delay after delay since the airport's first scheduled opening in 2011. So ahead of the October 31st opening, we're hearing from people who have been following and a part of this story since the beginning. Joining me on the phone is Grace Dobush, a freelance journalist based in Berlin. She's written for Fortune, among other publications. And also on the phone is Torsten Rika. He is a journalist at Handelsblatt. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Thank you. So, Grace, let's start with you. Of course, the story of Berlin's BER airport is a long and complex one, and we don't really have time to examine everything that went wrong with this project. But what are some of the stories over the years that stick with you? Oh, I mean, my favorite story has to be the escalators that were too short, that had to be topped off with a couple of stairs. There are just so many incredible examples of how this airport has gone wrong. And I always send people to the podcast, How to F Up an Airport, um, from Radio Spätkauf, um, that is a four-part series that really gets into all of the incredible ways, all of the missteps that happened in making this airport happen. And Torsten, of course, this airport is opening almost a decade later than expected. And a lot of people still ask the question, how did this happen? Why did it become such a disaster? Do you have an explanation for this? Do you have the answer? I'm not sure whether I have the answer. But if you look uh, at all the problems they got over the years, the main part was uh, fire safety facilities. The smoke extractor didn't work. And that was eight years ago. Then the company who actually built the airport, they ran out of money. And then um, a very big part in it uh, played the changing political demand. So we have a joint venture here, which is carried on by Berlin, the state of Berlin, the state of Brandenburg, and the federal government. And that led to the situation where too many politicians actually took part in this endeavor, and too few experts were on the board. So then we had the corruption problem, former management uh, members admitted of being paid off by construction companies. And then we had the total breakdown of financial controlling. So as you see, this is a very long list and that led actually to this delay of eight years. And if you look at the cost, the overall cost, it's $7.3 billion at the moment. And you could actually build three airports the size of Berlin uh, today with that kind of money. Grace, you were among the almost 10,000 volunteers that tested the airport over uh, the summer. I actually was one as well. What were your first impressions when you finally got in the doors? It looks like it was almost done. It gave me the impression that it will actually open this time, which um, was a bit of a relief. Also, I mean, there's always a bit of schadenfreude involved in following the BER story. So in a way, I was like, oh, dang. Yeah, no, it looks like it's finally going to open. Okay. Did you go this September or? I went in September, one of 400 passengers on that day pretending to 
be real passengers. The thing that struck me the most after walking around the terminal for six hours was that the marble floors look great. They look beautiful, but oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a younger person and still my hips, my feet hurt so badly at the end of the day. It made me worry about the comfort of going through the airport. I also very much noticed that the airport looks like it was designed 20 years ago because it was. Outlets were few to be found, which is the thing that international travelers want in an airport. They just want to charge their phone. And that so far does not exist. Mm. And um, but you if you went in September, that's around the time I went as well. Um, and were you surprised at how much scaffolding, how much construction there still was? Oh, definitely. The duty free store was still completely unbuilt when I was there. There seemed to be quite a bit to be done. And I kept thinking that it's only through like, pure luck that this airport is opening during a pandemic that has cut passenger traffic so drastically. If the new Berlin airport had to open during peak actual travel season, I I would be seriously worried about the airport if it had to open up in normal circumstances with a full passenger volume. Yeah, Torsten, I mean, we know that there were already reports six years ago that passenger numbers would far exceed the capacity BER had accounted for. So is this kind of a blessing that the pandemic has brought for BER that at least they're going to do its first takeoffs and landings with fewer amounts of passengers than a normal November? Well, I'm not so sure. I wouldn't call it a blessing. So, I mean, if you look at the numbers, so the passenger numbers are almost down to 20% compared to 2019 when you compare the flights to Berlin and from Berlin overall. So that's not a good uh, timing, I would say. It fits to the picture of the whole story here. And we run a story in our paper that we always can see a financial hole in the company, uh, which is actually uh, taking care of the airport, of 300 million euros. So that's a lot of money. And experts from other sites estimating that there is an expected loss uh, of the airport company of 1.7 billion in 2023. So this is an ongoing story, especially when you look at the financial side here. Whose money? Is this the taxpayer's money that's being spent? How does the financials work? It's a good question. I mean, at the moment, the airport company asks for federal state aid. So that's taxpayer's money. And if you look at the other shareholders, so it's the state of Berlin, the state of Brandenburg, that's also taxpayers' money. So in the end, it will be the taxpayer who will take care of the financial holes here. And Torsten, the head of Berlin's Christian Democrats, Kai Wegner, told Handelsblatt publication that the BER failure has severely damaged the image of German engineering and that the task now is to limit that damage. Has Germany really become a laughingstock because of this failure in Berlin? Probably not a laughing stock, but I mean, if you look at the whole list of infrastructure projects in Germany, which uh, had a, a cost explosion like the Berlin Airport, which had big delays. So there's uh, the example of the Alps Solomony in Hamburg, the uh, musical building over there, which uh, actually cost 10 times more than it was supposed to. Then we have this uh, huge train station project, which isn't finished, Stuttgart 21, which is also too. 0.5 times uh, more expensive than we thought. And then we have uh, the Berlin Airport now. So if you look at the list of um, major infrastructure projects over the last couple of years, you can make an argument that there shows 
despite the political problems we just talked about, there is an engineering problem as well. Yeah, I agree. And Kai Wegner also said in that interview that uh, construction chaos cannot be followed by operational chaos. And Grace, earlier you mentioned schadenfreude, uh, this wonderful German concept of taking joy in other people's misfortune. Do you think that's a real possibility that there will be operational chaos to come? And how closely will people be watching this? Oh, I know. I'm going to be watching very closely. I think that there's a non-zero chance that there will be operational chaos. I mean, all of the testing that they did during the pandemic was, of course, smaller than they had initially planned to conform with corona rules. We don't yet know how the Berlin airport will function with a full capacity, let alone a, uh, say, 25% capacity like it is during the pandemic times. The real passenger experiences will show us everything we need to know. Torsten, did anyone ever have to take responsibility for this disaster? Has anyone kind of stepped up and taken the blame? I wouldn't say stepped up. Uh, maybe a more step down is more appropriate here. So there were four heads of the port company which had to step down because of the difficulties. Then we had the mayor of uh, Berlin who was actually in the center of the storm. And one of the reasons he actually stepped down was where well, the problem with the Berlin airport, airport. So there was some kind of responsibility. But I mean, overall, it's because we are talking uh, about so many different people, politicians, engineers, oversight people, there's not the one person you could actually um, put the blame on. And of course, with BER's opening on October 31st comes the closing of Berlin's Tegel Airport on November 8th. Grace, I know you're a great fan of Tegel Airport. Are you sad to see it go? Yeah, it is definitely bittersweet to see this chapter in Berlin's history close. Um, my my dream would be for uh, the operators to open up an airport hotel. We'll turn the hotel terminal into an airport like we've seen at JFK Airport in New York. The old TWA terminal is now like a very mid-century modern hotel. Lovely. I do know, though, that the developers are chomping at the bit to have the Tegel project, the high-tech campus, finally be able to uh, get going over there on the uh, area, including Tegel and the surrounding fields that have been just waiting for hundreds of millions of euros investment to finally start becoming realized. And back to BER, from everything we've heard, it is going to open on October 31st. But are there any of those creeping doubts that maybe it's just going to be canceled last minute? Grace, anything? I mean, the schadenfreude makes me say yes. Um, I think that there's always a chance of something happening in the last moment. But um, I think there's probably a 99% chance that it will open this time. And Torsten, what do you think? I think this time is the real thing, so they're going to open uh, by the end of October. No, I, I don't have any doubt that this deadline will actually be broken again. Okay, famous last words. No. <laughs> okay. No, with the, the, um, all of the swag that they gave us, test passengers, um, I, I definitely thought, oh, man, if this airport doesn't open, like this gym boy to, with BER on it is going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> That's your retirement plan, huh? Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I agreed. I was excited to get a BER mask, though, I have to say. And it was such an interesting t- <laughs> sign of the times that that's the, the first thing you're handed, too. It's um, true. 
And a last question for both of you. Um, when are you flying out of BER? Any trips planned? Um, not yet. So, I mean, the, obviously, the situation is not that you are going or heading to the airport every day and going on a business trip. So my company actually decided uh, to stop all business trips at the moment. And if you want to go on vacation, it's hard to go anywhere at the moment. So it will take a couple of months before I go to Berlin Airport and fly out of that. It's, yeah, not the most conducive time to for trip planning. But Grace, anything planned for you? No, I'm also, uh, I've paused all travel uh, since earlier this year, and I'm hoping maybe next year to be able to fly to the U.S. to visit my family. So uh, maybe next year, finally, I'll get to leave from BER. Grace Stobusch is a freelance journalist based in Berlin, and Torsten Rika is a journalist at Handelsblatt. Thank you both for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're taking a short break, and when we come back, we hear from a spokesman from the new Berlin-Brandenburg airport, and we'll talk with an L.A.-based artist whose huge installation is one of the first things passengers arriving to Terminal 1 will see. Stay tuned. PRI's The World brings you voices from around the globe. It's your daily source for international news and a gateway to cultures beyond our borders. I'm Marco Werman. Join me right here for the next edition of The World. Tune in to The World Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 8 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin. In this episode, we're talking about the long-delayed opening of Berlin's new international airport. One feature of BER that is sure to catch passengers' eyes is an art installation called the Magic Carpet. This is a huge piece of art made of metal and mesh and suspended overhead in Terminal 1 as passengers ascend escalators to check in for their flights. And it has been there since one of the airport's many scheduled openings in 2012. We go now to Los Angeles, where the artist behind the Magic Carpet lives. Pei White joins me over Zoom. Thanks for taking the time, Pei. Thank you, Sylvia. Nice to talk to you. How excited are you that the airport is finally opening? Well, I was really surprised to hear that it was opening during current conditions, which must be some of the most challenging for airports and everybody. I'm I'm really excited, actually, because uh, it's been a lot of waiting and wondering. I think it's it's great. I'm I'm excited. You say waiting and wondering. I'm curious how many times over the years have you gotten excited and gotten prepared for this moment when you heard the airport was going to open? And I'm also kind of curious how many invitations you might have collected over the years to the opening gala. Has there been this kind of ongoing back and forth for you? Well, I was actually in Berlin to attend the gala. We we were asked to accelerate the production and installation of the piece for a month earlier than we had planned in order to do this gala that's Angela Merkel with, you know, running. And so I was there when I got the news that the airport was going to open maybe a couple of months later. And then, so I, I went home and then was another couple of months and then it was a year and then it was a year, but I, I didn't really get formal invitations. But the weird thing was I was getting Christmas cards every year even though the airport wasn't open, I w- the Christmas card department was very much open. So every year I get a Christmas card, and then I started to think maybe this is the problem. You know, there's there's energy here and not there. But you know, at a certain point it just went dark, and there was no communication at all. 
I talked to one of the other artists and he was, and he lives in Berlin, I believe. And he was just as mystified by, you know, the lack of information. And that gala you mentioned, was that in 2012? Yes. So let's get to the work itself. Tell me about the design of the magic carpet and uh, the inspiration behind it. Well, it was interesting. You know, I got this invitation and it was all in German. And um, I just kind of assumed I wasn't going to get it, but I was going to just try anyway. And so I put together this idea, well, based on many things, based on the complexities of travel, also this kind of carpet, this kind of welcome rug, but also the architecture has a kind of rigidity and it's very grid-like. And I wanted to play off of that and have this kind of complementary artwork that this is kind of this unraveling monster in this very rigid space. So one would sort of augment the other. So it's kind of like this drawing that's sort of undrawing itself and has this kind of chaos. And one of the things that was really important to me was that this drawing of this sort of Persian rug was hung low enough that the viewer could see that it was handmade because it literally was made on the ground using like a hole punch and grommets because this metal is so thin and malleable. So it's really important that in this kind of pristine, I don't know if pristine is the right word, but just something that's very clean and very sort of somewhat sterile environment has this kind of chaotic thing in it. Yeah, I can tell you when I was at the airport myself a little over a month ago, I was one of these volunteers taking part in a test run to make sure everything would be smooth sailing for opening day. Everybody, all the other volunteers were just stopping to snap pictures before they went on the escalator of Terminal 1 just to take it all in. But of course, for the past eight years, your art, the magic carpet, has been pretty much shut away from the public and basically solely on display for the people actually building this airport. Have you given that thought over the years, that idea of your artwork being kind of lonely and suspended in this empty airport all by itself? Well, it's been the first time I've been early on a project at this point. So I just kind of had to accept the fact that this was maybe never going to open, you know, and then I just sort of stopped thinking about it. I mean, it was, it's kind of one of these things that people didn't really want to talk about at a certain point, like in Germany, you know, it was just, I don't know this, maybe it was an embarrassment. I don't know, but it, you know, it was just kind of silence. And the other artists that I was talking to was like, you know, I don't know, you know, we just had to kind of accept this. And unfortunately, I think it was, the communication was very dysfunctional and not really kind to the artists. Like the fact that, you know, this airport is, is opening, there's been no outreach to us they're running images and they're not even contrary to the contract, they're not even crediting the artists. Even an article about artworks at airports showed the artwork but didn't mention me under the photograph. Now I think that's really unfortunate. And you know, my excitement for the airport opening and the artwork finally being seen is quite a bit tempered by that disregard. And you know, that's kind of unfortunate. And it's been almost a decade since you first conceptualized the design and then actually rushed to finish it for that gala that never was. Do you think if you could go back, you would have done anything differently? No, not at all. I'm, I'm very happy with the piece. And somebody I know saw it yesterday and said it just looked great. And, and you know, I still show it. I still show it in lectures and presentations as if it still is a living, breathing project because I still feel like 
it was even sitting there. My biggest concern was that it was going to get dirty. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a, a lot of surface area and apparently they cleaned it and that makes me very happy. I wouldn't do anything differently. I think it, it all worked out. I got very lucky. The fabricator I worked with saved me, saved this because as I mentioned earlier, I really didn't think I was going to get this project and I proposed anyway. And so no one was more surprised than I when I got it. And I remember telling my assistant, I said, there's good news and there's bad news. And both of it is that I got the project. Now we've got to figure out how to make it because we didn't know. I didn't know. And so this fabricator came in and figured out this material and really saved us. And this has been an ongoing relationship because of the airport. And in fact, my assistant goes on vacations with them in Greece. I mean, it's, it was this really extraordinary thing that came out of this project. And that's always what I really like is, is you know, the artwork is great, but it's all the kind of surrounding phenomena that, you know, is sometimes even more valuable. And of course, the pandemic has thrown a wrench into everyone's travel plans. But in an ideal world, will you be flying into Berlin's BER airport anytime soon? Well, I have a show of a solo show that was scheduled last May for Gallery Weekend at Neuger Rimschneider that has now been rescheduled for the same time next year. So I'm supposed to. So I would love to fly in. I mean, that that's really thrilling for me because I've done projects in other places that, that when you show up and there it is. Um, and that was one of the things that I found really interesting was that for the longest time, you could still, when you're booking a flight, BER would still come up as an option, even though the airport wasn't open. I checked recently and now it's coming back up as an option. So yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Kay White is the artist behind The Magic Carpet, an installation on display in BER's main terminal. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Have a good day. Finally on our show, we're checking in with a representative from Berlin's new airport. Spokesman Daniel Tolksdorf joins me on the phone. Good to have you. Hello. So Saturday marks the official opening of BER Airport. How do you feel? Any nerves? Yes, a little bit nervous, um, but it's excellent. So we've been working very hard on the opening for years now, and now it's time to open the BER, and it's time for the first aircrafts to take off. And uh, most of all, we look forward to the first passengers. As you mentioned, you've been working on the opening for many years, but is there something that still needs to be done? No, there's nothing. We're ready for takeoff. And the first plane will land at BER on October 31st, but the first plane will take off from BER on November 1st. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. The first two planes landing are uh, two big carriers. It's an airplane from EasyJet and an airplane from uh, Lufthansa. And they, they will take uh, the first passengers uh, to the BER on Saturday. And uh, yeah, the first start will be on Sunday early in the morning. And you mentioned everything is done, but I do want to bring in a little reporting from over the weekend regarding a design flaw in Terminal 1, that there are only escalators leading up from, but not down to, the connected train station below. Is there a plan to fix that before the official opening on Saturday? Um, we have elevators, so running in both directions. So um, the BR was planned 15 years ago, and this was the way it was uh, designed. And we won't fix that before the opening. We just want to open. So there were these ongoing test runs over the summer. I took part in one as well. What kind of feedback did you get from these sessions that you've then actually implemented? 
We've heard, for example, that people felt there weren't enough phone chargers in the terminal. Yeah, so we knew a few of these points. So uh, it was not new for us that the passengers think we have uh, two less chargers for cell phones, for example. The most feedback we got was wonderful and was great feedback for us. Uh, We wanted to test things that usually don't happen on the uh, airport. And um, so we did things like losing the baggage, losing your children. You are on the, on the airport and you lost your uh, ticket. Um, and so we tried to, to fix these problems for our passengers so that we are ready, uh, that the staff is ready for the opening. You mentioned that the issue with the escalator is that this was a design that was state-of-the-art 15 years ago. Since construction has gone on so much longer than expected, is it still a state-of-the-art airport? How does it compare with other EU countries? Yeah, it is um, a modern and state-of-the-art airport. We have modern check-in solutions. We have powerful security lines. What is important to us is that it finally has enough parking space and uh, plenty of space for shopping and gastronomy. So it's a modern, large, international airport. The pandemic has, of course, thrown the travel industry into crisis mode. First off, what uh, passenger numbers are we looking at uh, for this November when the, uh, after the opening? We don't know the passenger numbers. So we think that we will have 5,000 passengers uh, on the day of the opening on the BER. So uh, when we are opening the BER, the other both airports are still running. So we are currently about 15,000 passengers a day. We had 110,000 passengers during the summer month uh, before the pandemic. So the number of passengers sank dramatically. We had fewer than 1,000 passengers together in whole Berlin on one day. So summer 2019, there were 110,000 passengers on average across Berlin's airports per day. Yeah. And now it's in more in the couple thousands, handful of thousands. Yeah. So it's uh, currently about 15,000 passengers a day. And again, because the pandemic has thrown the travel industry into such crisis mode, how has this affected the financing of Berlin's airports and the potential of bankruptcy? At the beginning of the crisis, our shareholders promised us financial aid and they are supporting us. We ourselves, as the company, we also make a contribution by, um, for example, voluntary waiving wages for executive employees and uh, short time working uh, for the staff after the opening. The airport obviously is big enough to handle the 5,000 passengers that are estimated to come on the first day, for example. But if it were a normal year, not a pandemic year, would the airport be big enough to accommodate all of Berlin's uh, passengers? Yeah, absolutely. It is big enough. We have the Terminal 1. We just built a new terminal. It's Terminal 2. It's ready to open, but we don't need to open it by now because there are so so few passengers. And we also have uh, the old uh, airport Schönefeld that is now Terminal 5 of the BER. And Tegel will really close on November 8th then? Yeah, Tegel will close on November 8th. Uh, so with the last flight will be an Air France flight. And the gala that was supposed to take place at BER, of course, in the wake of the pandemic, it was canceled. So what will the grand opening look like? There's a smaller reception? 
Yeah, it is small. Um, we just want to open the BER. On the opening day, two planes will land at the BER parallel and then the BER is in operation. So this is the opening, just open. Daniel Tokstorf is a spokesman for the new Berlin-Brandenburg International Airport. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. And that's our show today. Be sure to subscribe to Studio Berlin on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Have a good week.